Welcome to Side Talks. Wow. I'm glad that you have some energy. I'm going on like two hours of sleep, so this is going to be an interesting one because you know already I bring the bullshit. (laughs) This is actually the ghost of Corey Craft talking. I don't even know who. This is the zombie of Rachel Morgan talking. This is a spooky episode of Side Talks then. Have you tuned out yet? You're like, wow, they're just warning us ahead of time. This is going to be a shit show. I mean, look, every single intro to one degree or another goes like this. So <laughs> if, if, you, if you're still tuning in to Side Talks, well, thanks. We hope you enjoy it. Also, my phone is not on airplane mode. All right, let's talk. <laughs> Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. It's time for a five-minute fight. Brad, five go ahead and fight. start that timer because I don't <laughs> want to talk about this for any longer than I have to. Oh, my God. We're talking about Jack Off Gyllenhaal. But, all right. <laughs> I, you, you, have, you have some sort of personal issue with Jake Gyllenhaal because it's not the quality of his performances, which is generally pretty high. Oh, it is. It's all of it. Mm. Jakey G, I I went through his IMDb page, and yes. as I was looking through it, I fell asleep. Now, I did already acknowledge that I've only had a couple hours of sleep in the last couple of nights, but at the same time, like, it's dull's fucking bill. Now, are there highlights? Absolutely. Of Brokeback, course. Back, Mountain, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, we can argue about whether or not you should cast straight dudes in those roles. I, you know, I can, I, I, I can, I can actually sort of debate either side of that. I think issue. in two thousand five, though, it was oh, yeah. it was more meaningful than it would be now. I agree, and, and I also think, yeah, and I think that um, actually it benefited that film, and mm-hmm. it and it benefited the sort of LGBTQ community. But again, there's people coming for me right fucking now. Some of those people were born <laughs> in 2005, but they're coming let it, for Let them come for you. Uh, um, that's a great movie. That's a masterpiece. He's, he's, he gives an excellent performance in it. And, and Donnie Darko's great too, but I'm just scrolling through the rest of it and I'm like, oh shit, this is bad news. Mm. Also, let me just mention one thing really quickly that you're not going to be able to recover from. Uh-huh. Bubble Boy. Yeah, but Donnie Darko cancels out Bubble Boy. They came out the same year. Jake Gyllenhaal's a really entertaining and, I I think, interesting performer, especially in the past decade or so of his performances. I mean, you lay the foundation with Donnie Darko and Brokeback Mountain – Cool. Thumbs up. Great. That's you're off to the races. That's it. There's you're like sixty other titles. I'm I, my thought when I was looking through the list was I'm looking at a bunch of bullshit right now. But this is a guy who in the in the last few years has made movies as crazy and varied in tone as Nightcrawler, as the Bong Joon Ho movie Okja, where he plays a cartoon like uh Steve uh Irwin type figure. Um I mean, it's just he's all over the place in a really entertaining way. Um, and mm. plus, he's funny. He's he's sort of like reached into this like oddball comedy stage of his career where he's like popping up on John Mulaney comedy specials, doing like funny bits and showing up on Saturday Night Live and doing funny bits. And I mean, like, that's not, you know, indicative necessarily of a top notch actor in and of itself, but it, it shows a performer who's becoming looser and more uh, experimental with his persona. And that's what I appreciate. Oh, or more comfortable with the money in the bank. Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, get that money, Jake. Get that money. Oh, boy. You're all about it. You're all about them getting this money. Also, he's just one sidestep away from the pussy posse. Okay. Do you not like him because of the Taylor (laughs) Swift thing? Just be honest. Yeah, do you I don't not like, like him yes, because of the Taylor I mean, Swift that, thing? That, I didn't look. I didn't have to mention it, but you know, that was you just called a thousand Swifties to my side. 
Okay, well, I you mean, look, I'm, not, I'm not evaluating Jake Gyllenhaal and his ex-girlfriends. I'm evaluating Jake Gyllenhaal I'm and his performances. I'm evaluating him on his performances, too. And what I would say is that I'm trying really hard to think of a performance that is that different from the others. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is just, a, again, it's just a little bit to the right of everything else he does. Mm. He just feels like you tend to really embrace these little bitches that <laughs> continue to kind of just, you know, make it through an entire career doing basically the same thing. I think it makes you comfortable. Um, I, I think that that comfort is like what we look for in movie star personas. Right, like we go see a Jake Gyllenhaal movie, and we sort and we of we know like, we're going to get a mediocre we, performance. We it's sort just of like all the other no, ones no, no, we've we, seen. But like, it's just Be like we, we go to any other performer, and we kind of understand what sort of performance they're going to give, what sort of movie we're going to see. I mean, like you could say the same thing about Meryl Streep. You could say that about Nicole Kidman. You could say that about oh, Michelle Williams. Bitch, you just really tried to throw a flamethrower yeah, here. I'm coming for no, you today, no, no, Rachel. No. When, let's let's look at the nuances and the differences in performances in Nicole Kidman's IMDb. DB page versus Jakey Gyllenhaal's. You know that that's wrong. Jake has done a little bit more junk, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he stays th- in the same little realm. This, this idea of his persona, like, I, I look. Okay, maybe I overstepped by saying that like Kidman and Williams stay in the same realm because they do you know Thank branch you. out quite a bit. But you were just trying to come for me, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just trying to to argue that like Gyllenhaal having his sort of screen persona is not necessarily the inherently restrictive thing that you're portraying it as. I oh. think he's got he's got his lane. He stays in oh, his yeah, lane. He definitely stays in a lane. He is like we don't need him and Toby Maguire. We but can we don't have... really have Tobey Maguire anymore. Tobey Maguire fucked off with the Spider-Man money, and good for him. <laughs> oh, but we have had them both existing in, in, in the same world, and they do both. They're both alive. So pick one, one dies. Sam. I mean, that's an easy choice if I have to make it. But I'm, I'm <laughs> which not little going to. bitch, Toby or Jakey? Jakey. I'll just both of them can go. Jakey, no, Jakey. With Jakey's so good. I mean, Nightcrawler's so it's good. It's all the same. It's all the uh. same, Sam. <laughs> Was he Spider-Man? No, he was Mysterio in the most recent oh, Spider-Man. Oh, God so. damn it. Um, all right. So I don't know if I should take or sub- um, subtract or add points for Jerkoff to Gyllenhaal. I'm a little um, <laughs> indecisive about that. Um, but Brokeback Mountain and Donnie Darko are not the only highlights in his career. But honestly, I did start out personally disagreeing. But over the course of the debate, Rachel convinced me. I'm on the other side of the Gyllenhaal opinion now. Um, yeah, he's just kind of like one of those actors who just kind of acts and he's kind of a little the same and everything. And Nightcrawler is him just being the same, but with like sort of wider eyes. Um, Okja is fantastic though. And Corey is a little right for saying all over the place in an entertaining way. Um, but also still kind of the same somehow, the duality of Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, he has all the money, so really he wins. Um, but Rachel is the winner of this debate. What the fuck? (laughs) Also, I, let me go on record and say I like Maggie. That's a story. That we're, that's a conversation for another time. I agree, but I just want to say I think you know she doesn't get cast as frequently, or with as large a paycheck, but she's better than him. Mm, I'm not sure I agree. Well, he is your little bitch. So, <laughs> what? It's time for that extra special little segment of the podcast because it happens so rarely. Show me that smile. Show me that smile. <laughs> 
can you do that again, Brad, for me? Put that little bit of music in there. Thank you. Um, I have an actual thing in my hand, like a I, you, like an actual a, vinyl album, a vinyl record album, uh, and it's the Valley Girl soundtrack. Okay, I, that is this is my show and tell. This will be a brief one, but I'm just going to slide this across okay. the table to you. I want you just to pick that little bitch up, turn it over, and look at the freaking songs in this movie. All right. So. I want you to just call a few of them out. We're starting off hot here. We've got Psychedelic Furs, Love My Way, um, which is Before a, Call Me By Your Name. Before Call Me By Your Name brought before. it back to the to the Zeitgeist. We got some Sparks. Sparks, of course, having a moment now Absolutely. with the Sparks Brothers documentary and the Leos Carrick's uh musical Annette coming out pretty soon. Uh pretty excited for that. Oh, Electric Avenue, you know, we've got, I mean, I mean it's, it's a classic. Uh, we're just going down this, I Melt With You by Modern English, of course, another Sparks song. I didn't realize Sparks had multiple songs in Valley Girl. Right. Um, Who Can It Be Now by Men at Work. All right. Uh, <laughs> and then I think we've got some original score uh, bits here. Uh, Rock the Casbah. Do you really want to hurt me? A little bit of Bananarama there. My Isn't goodness. this thing nuts? My so goodness. I just want to point out what an incredible soundtrack this thing has. This is back when movies had soundtracks, which they kind of don't anymore. Or at least, you know, they don't put a lot of effort into Not it. Not like this. It and seems I, like it. I will say that when this when this film came out, some of those songs would have been considered alternative. Sure. They have made their way into the public supermarket at this point, but a lot of those songs would have been considered alternative and 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 were somewhat would have been somewhat affordable at the time. But what an inc- I just I just was through this on a few little while ago I was at the beach, threw this on and was like, "Man, I sometimes forget how freaking great the soundtrack is. Yeah. And just wanted to, to to give you a little reminder there and also show off a little bit with that vinyl album. Another thing to point out, though, on the front of that thing, uh-huh. have you noticed something odd? Well, they're giant uh, Nicolas Cage and, um, oh, what's her name? Deborah Deb- Foreman. Deborah Foreman, But it's that's not right. Deborah Foreman's face. That's not Deborah Foreman's face? No. Take a look again. So that is the actual poster from the film, and that is what's the cover art there. That is not Deborah Foreman's face. And I mean, you can see by flipping over to the back where they've got photos from the film, it's not her face. Not at all. What happened there? So apparently they didn't think she was attractive enough or fit enough, and they just created a lady. They just made one up? And yet Nicolas Cage is so attractive that they kept him. Um, anyway, it's it is a it is a weird, funny thing about the film that the box art, the VH back in the day box art, and then of course on the Blu-ray or what have you, box art, and and here on the album that it is it is not her face. I have the DVD and it just has some nonsense photoshopped cover. So yeah, I've never seen that image before. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a really nice record there, and you've got fun Nicolas Cage without a shirt, but he's wearing a vest and a tie, you know, yeah. as was the style at the time. Of course. Um, I just, I love the idea of now just like hearing the clash in the supermarket, which you do from time to time. I know, I know. So anyway, I just point, wanted to point that out, wanted to show off a little bit, and uh, I want to go on record and say, I actually think, and this is going to be controversial for you, so I'm going to I'm gonna kind of land it here. I think that as far as a, as a needle drop soundtrack goes... Uh-huh. Valley Girl is maybe the greatest soundtrack ever. Greatest is a little controversial. It is a little controversial. It's a little 
and a little wild for me to go out on this limb with this, but I did just recently listen to the album and all in all, and again, I'm not talking about original score here. Sure, sure. I'm talking about just an, you know, a needle drop collection. I think this is the best soundtrack for a film. Ever, I, mm, ever, okay. Ever. Separating quality and listenability of the songs. Okay. That's a funny thing to separate, but all right. But just think about like cultural influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be Pulp Fiction, right? No. I disagree. Mm. I disagree. I think that this is a better soundtrack than Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction is up there. And I think that what Tarantino did with that is a very different thing, which is that he reached deep into the archives and, right. brought, and brought back some songs that I don't think would – that had ended up having a second life, yes. right? Yes. That, that's what I mean by like cultural influence. I appreciate influence. that. But this you know, is being representative of the era, of the, mm-hmm. of the theme of the film, of the vibe and – you know, a moment. I, I just, it's all, it's, it's, and it's a better, I just think it all in all, it's a better soundtrack. Well, if those, if those are the standards, I will also have to submit for consideration Easy Rider, which kind of created the Needle eh. Drop soundtrack. I'm standing strong on Valley okay, Girl. Fair. I mean, that's fair. I, 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 I would just have to think about this. Greatest well, sounds. Greatest is a big, big, a big word. Big claim. It's a big claim, but you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to shake it up. So uh, we will, we'll, we'll put a pin in this one and return to it later, but. Right now, I'm on the record with that. That's a it's a very very attractive record album package though, and um, thank you for bringing that to show and tell. Four four sides to that two album set. Ooh, nice. And now fast film terms. Wow, was that what I think it was? I think it was notoriously canceled Looney Tunes character <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez running oh, by. Oh, he was probably running after a lady. Um, oh boy! I uh, know. You know he's in uh, the new Space Jam movie. Did you know that oh, they they brought him back? They brought for him that? back. They oh. brought him back. He's just running around. Back from the canceled list. Well, uh, I've got a couple of really fast film terms for you today. Okay. One is a is a term that is oh the film industry can be funny, and this is a word that gets used and has multiple meanings. Okay. And that word is coverage. And you hear the word coverage all the time for this reason sure. or that. But yeah. we're going to talk today specifically about what script coverage is. Oh, interesting. Do the, you know what script coverage is? Um, this is not a term I'm as familiar with, but it is it, oh, what like a script reader in a studio situation right. would do? They'd read s- submitted scripts and, and type up little reports for their overseers or whatever and evaluate screenplays based on whatever – method of evaluation they use. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a studio. It could be a competition. It sure, could sure. be a non-studio um, production company, but it basically... Right. It, so, yeah. any, any production any company production evaluating company. screenplays. Yeah. Sure. And it would be indeed a reader who would go through this before uh, somebody like a producer would have it in their hand. And it is indeed a summary and analysis of a script's plot and sort of writing quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what coverage is. Cool. I've got another one for you that okay. we may have covered before, but I don't think we covered in this exact way if we did. And that is, do you know what OS or OC, which mean the same thing, really? Do you know no, what either one of us things stand for? I don't. The OC was a teen soap on Fox. <laughs> With Misha Barton. That's right. Um, no, actually. I mean, it was. Yes, it was. And I bet they actually had some OS or OC on the OC. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but it stands for off screen or off camera. Yes. Okay. And so this is a note in a screenplay that, that indicates right. when a character is speaking from off screen or off camera. Right. 
could be somebody yelling, you know, off screen and you see a character react to it. It could be them doing something like throwing something and you don't see the person actually throwing it, but you see the item come into the frame. Any number of things like that. But yeah, it indicates that a character uh, or something is happening that can be perceived in some way, probably through audio, um, but is not seen. And so it's off screen or off camera. Now, I haven't read a ton of screenplays, but I've read a few. And I feel like I more commonly see OC. Yeah. You know, it's all about the preference with that one. I don't know that one is necessarily more common than the other. But yeah, Hmm. I, I could see that. Anyway. That's it. Fast film terms. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We are your own personal cinematic Warhol and Valerie. Okay. Am I saying her name right? It's Valerie, right? Yeah, I think so. Jean Solanas. Is that right? Yeah. That sounds sounds right. I mean, I am now. You should be. <laughs> I don't want you to shoot me. <laughs> um, oh, I'm just looking for Warhol. Uh, that that movie, uh, I Shot Andy Warhol, is that a Mary Heron movie? I with think so. uh, Lily Taylor? It is definitely with Lily Taylor. I've never I, seen that. Uh, it's been good? a minute. I don't, I don't remember loving it, hmm. but it's been a minute. Anyway, I like Lily Taylor. A little dark outro here, but regardless, <laughs> thanks to Boutwell Studios. We appreciate all their expertise. Uh, visit us at SidewalkFest.com or check us out on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find uh, cinema showtimes there. You'll find information about the Sidewalk Film Festival. Now, this episode is probably getting released right around the time of the festival. Corey, are you trying to give me a damn stress attack over Well, here? I'm trying to give our listener a reminder to get your passes or tickets if you haven't already, because you're definitely going to want to come downtown to the theater district in Birmingham, Alabama to see some movies in some actual real deal air-conditioned cinemas. For sure, on big screens with big sound. Uh, but we have to go now because Corey's got to get to the wor- his other job, which is the Jake Gyllenhaal fan club. Oh, my God. He's so good. Come on. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>